this is The Huddle. You've got a former college athlete, a professional athlete trainer, and a sports nerd who says some words. Spend their Friday afternoon talking all things sports. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back to a very special holiday episode of The Huddle. I am your host, Spencer Huddleston. Boys, I'm too excited. I don't even have an intro joke today. It's just good to have the band back together. Good to see you guys. We've got a real uh, festive show planned for today. Uh, with us for the first time in nearly a month, Brad, you're like Tom Brady. You don't need practice. Just show back up. It's like getting on a bike, right? How are you today? That's right. Feeling really rested after the time off. Nice, nice. Good. Any uh, in, any notable training that you did for uh, for getting back on the podcast? I did a two-a-day chest and back today. <laughs> I knew uh, I need to look good for the viewers. Right. You're back in the beauty seat, That's man. It. I, heard, I heard that when I was out. I was like, wow. We and then we that. had to expose the gender reveal, too. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, we're putting a lot of Brad's business out there on the on the audience. But yeah, we're glad to have you back in the uh in the hot seat. We got a really special show coming up today too. Not the um not the end of the visual appeal, I'll say, on the uh on the show today. Uh speaking of visual appeal, we've got with us Greg Hoffman. Greg, you were uh, compared to the Undertaker <laughs> in a recent the meme the, the Undertaker sit up meme in a recent back meme. from the dead back the dead man the dead. walks yeah how, are you like uh, I think there's another meme we could compare you to is the the Britney Spears Vegas show where she's climbing up the stairs <laughs> and she turns around with kind of half cocked look like, is, is that you or the Undertaker man, how you feeling uh, right hey I'll go Britney how about that man <laughs> uh, you can't go wrong with a little old school Britney. Well, welcome back to the show. Glad to have everybody back. Uh, we're super excited for this week. We've got, not only do we have a great week to talk about the NFL, to talk about sports around the world, uh, we've also got a really special country club segment on the Masters uh, with producer Layton. And then, as is the tradition this time of year, we're going to talk some turkey. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving traditions and Thanksgiving food, most importantly, I'm going to have a lot of fun on the show today. But let's kick it off with our soap opera that we watch each and every week in the NFL. Greg, you said it. We need to have a constantly fluctuating power rankings of the NFL because we can't seem to figure out who's on top here. Got to be written in pencil because it's changing <laughs> changing every week, um, literally even, even as the weekend unfolds. So, uh, you know, you had the, the Cardinals riding high with the, the Hale-Murray game. Uh, then they show up last night, uh, play the Seahawks, and Seahawks and Russ was uh, cooking last night, and uh, Kyler's back uh, back to middle of the pack after after a four day run of being being. being Are you uh, throwing him out that early? No, I, it, they're they're just they're an interesting team. Um, that's that's one that um, I think it's it's early. I think give that give that whole team another year to gel get some more pieces on defense and they will be one that's in the upper echelon next year yeah we're seeing the potential they've got uh murray obviously the leader so we just need some more pieces but brad you were a you were a buyer really early on in that kyler murray deandre hopkins relationship what what is it about those two even in the loss on thursday i mean the last couple of weeks that they've had has just been fantastic I always viewed, I guess, where I, I we watch him two times a year. Uh, Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league. I remember a couple of years ago uh, him playing the Titans, and 
almost set an NFL record for receptions. It felt like uh, just dominating, and he's just a force to be reckoned with. I like uh, Murray's scrambling ability, so that's always going to, you know, open up options for downfield play and opportunities for Hopkins. You know, I do want to break down that Hail Murray. It, it was, it was, you know, triple coverage. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, no doubt one of if not the top receiver in the NFL but here's the thing you hear about his hand size and just how he swallows up balls when he catches it there was a cool stat that somebody uh, posted that had the breakdown you know Hopkins height vertical and hand size Hopkins 6'1 36 inch vertical hand size of 10 they broke down the other three defensive backs that were in on the play uh, nobody taller than six foot uh, nobody had a, a taller vertical than 33 inches, so three inches less than, than DeAndre, and then the hand size. So by my simple math, Hopkins Hopkins beat those defensive backs by four and five-eighths inches on the jump. Get so, the there you go. There well, you go. And, you know, in, the, in plays like that, and you always you, – you, I mean, you've seen them played a thousand times, but what jumps out at me and what jumped out to me last night on the other side of the ball with DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson – it seems like the top echelon players, especially at the wide receiver position, are just incredible at improvising after the play. And you see Hopkins, Brad, and you see DK Metcalf. It's, it's like we saw two of the best at their ability to keep plays alive like that. Yeah, um, I, I think you're spot on with that. I, I've always um, been a Michael Thomas fan as well, and the same attribute you speak of right there. Um, going back to what Greg was saying a minute ago, does that four inches really make that big of a difference? I would always think in football it's more about timing. Well, it's timing, but I mean, if you're all if you're all jumping at the absolute peak to try to high point that ball, I mean, there's your you know your hand your 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 height, your vert, and your hand size. I mean, that's you know four and five eighths inches right there. That's all it took. The other cool thing, and I didn't even notice this. I, I for whatever reason we got that game last Sunday. And, you know, I was watching that game and saw the play unfold live. I didn't catch it until last night, but the Murray piece of that play was even impressive. You know, that's a that's not, the, you know, that's not any kind of design. He drops back, gets some pressure, flushes left, has harder pressure as he's getting to the sidelines, lets Cross it line, go, yeah. gets hit, and he's watching that play <laughs> like – Behind, on the, jumbotron, the, the plays, right? the plays yeah. happening behind him, and he's watching it on the jumbotron. I didn't catch that until last night when I watched it again. But um, to have just you know an incredible play like that, you're the career-defining moment, and you don't even see it with your own two eyes. You're watching it on the screen. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it was spectacular, and like you said, I mean, it's it inches clearly matter in in a game like that and, and with two athletes like that. It's just neat to see the bleeding edge in the NFL, the difference between what you know, of all these people who are all spectacular athletes, how to see someone who truly stands apart like DeAndre Hopkins is just, it's incredible to watch. I couldn't put really solid sports takes on there because I was too busy trying to make a do inches matter joke that was appropriate for, <laughs> for radio. That's what she so said. I just sat over here in silence. Yeah, just waiting on that. Uh the, the other big topics of the NFL, is, as we've talked through this week, one of my favorite characters to follow is Ben Roethlisberger. It is just hilarious to me 
it, there's really no take here. It just makes me laugh that Ben Roethlisberger asked his head coach if he could remain on COVID protocol, even though he's no longer tested positive, just so he could have two less practice sessions. I mean, here's the thing. That 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 last game, um, I guess, you know, going on two weeks now, you know, he gets banged up. He's his, Both knees are hurt. He's limping to the locker room. He comes out, playing very gingerly, uh, not very mobile. Um has has the week and is in COVID protocol, doesn't practice and comes out and he's the same Big Ben that he's always <laughs> been. So he, I, I go back to the Titans here earlier in the year, earlier in the year. They're on COVID protocol, shut down. They go out and play one of the best games of the season with no practice. So I think mm-hmm. we're on to something here. So maybe maybe it's just like the old Allen Iverson thing. You know, yeah. we're talking about practice. <laughs> It's so. like myself with podcasting. Uh, I'm coming back <laughs> hot today because I've had four weeks off. Just wake up and you've just got that excellence right there, ready to go. That's hilarious. Uh, and I think, you know, Roethlisberger is a funny example. But honestly, I mean, I really, objectively, I feel like there may be some truth to it. Like, you look at Drew Brees getting hurt, quarterbacks that age. Like, do you really need to, other than timing issues with the wide receivers, it's, is there a need? Yeah, it's all game planning and getting that in. And when you, you know, you've, You've been in doing it as long as he has. I don't even know what year in his career. I'm, my my guess is he's somewhere in his twelfth, thirteenth year. Let's look could it up. Be, real could quick. be longer, but you know, it's it's just get the game plan in, and and you know you've already mastered that. So um, I think it is. It's all about um, being able to recoup because again, he's 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 still banged up from his elbow injury last year. Yep. I mean, it's he's still not the same player. So I just any any time that he gets seventeenth season drafted two thousand three two thousand four ah yep bummer um almost eight thousand passing attempts. So he's got tons and tons and he's tons longer, of reps. He's played and, even longer than what. What I had the mental note of of twelve or thirteen but years. You, so. But to but your yeah. point, I mean, he feels like an institution. He feels like someone who's been there absolutely forever. Uh, a team that it feels like has been forever since they have been good, despite their strong start. We've actually got two of those here. Greg, you are obviously a Chicago Bears fan. After a five and zero start, what what's happened to these Bears? It's. They are a historically bad offense, and you know Nick Foles got got that gig um, with that comeback win against the Falcons. But that has just been an absolute um, one anomaly in his career, uh, in his in the season that he's not he's not that quarterback that can put it on his shoulders and get it done. And the Bears don't have enough weapons um, around him. They are. Literally historically bad. They are they every offensive category last in the NFL right now. So they have a strong defense, and they're just wasting wasting now two years of a strong defense on really poor offenses. And I frustrating. I just think I think it's time it's time for uh, for GM and head coach Um, Nagy's only been there a few years, but it's time it's time to. clean house and right the ship brad a similar team that jumped off to an incredible start tennessee titans losing three of their last four also what what's going on with this Titans? it's the exact opposite of what greg's saying you've got uh the sixth best uh rushing team in the nfl i mean an 11th best offense but it's our defense and then our, our kicking game 
has cost us two games possibly. Yep. We, we could have been the team that took down the Steelers. But, um, yeah, it's the exact opposite. We've got to stop these teams, especially when it comes to passing. And news coming out that the Titans defensive players actually were quoted as saying that they were bored with their defensive assignments. I just I don't understand that. <laughs> Bored of chasing them to the end zone? Like I don't, under, I don't know what they're saying is going on schematically. There, it seems like the Titans really need to put a defensive coordinator in place. I think that may be part of the problem too. I think you know the it didn't solve anything on the Bears front, but I think it's it's rare that you can get that head coach that can separate those head coach responsibilities and and also call the plays either on offense or or on defense. I think that's. That's something that you can't have it both. You can't have it both ways. I mean, you can argue Andy Reid, but he's had a lot of help over the years. I mean, when Nagy was there with him, and now Eric Bieniemy, you know. So it's it's how much of that you know um, plays into it. But I just think it's kind of we had the we had the discussion a couple of weeks ago about head coach and GM. I just don't think you can wear both hats effectively. But you look at Vrabel, and you would think with him coming from more of a def- defensive background. It would be the the defense that's solid with the offense struggling instead of the other way around. And that happens often. It seems like it seems like Matt Patricia went through that. I mean, at the college game, it seems like Jeremy Pruitt's going through that. Those those are problems that seem to be prevalent. Where, and to me, that seems like that's what gets a coach fired too. When you fail at the thing that you were hired to come into the organization to do. To me, that's that's a bad sign. Well, you've had you've had two pretty high profile free agency um, acquisitions too, with Vic Beasley and uh, Clowney, and you know Beasley's been cut and has moved on, and Clowney is, you know, we've we said it here at one of the early shows. I mean, Clowney is not he's not the big pass rusher that you think he is, but he's he's a great run defender. But you know they're they're needing they're needing help getting to the quarterback. Once you get that pressure, everything else kind of falls in place from a defensive perspective. Yeah, you look at Clowney, and he had his best year ever under Vrabel, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just not working this year. Yeah, it seems to be disruptive within a uh, run-stopping standpoint, but and that's how it seems like that's who he was in college. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like you look at him as a a disruptor in the pass game, but it really never has materialized that way. Yeah, an interesting take on on both of those teams, and I think both will have continued tests over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, the Titans playing the Ravens this weekend. I mean, they're going to know immediately if that slide continues. I saw an interesting stat about Mike Vrabel. I want to say it was with greater than 10 days to prepare, including off-season starts, Vrabel is something like 9-1 and one or 10-1 and one, uh, in, in those games. So seems to prepare well. Hopefully that, that means good things for the for the Titans this you, week. You look at the Ravens, though, and this is a revenge game. Yep. So, you know, I don't it, know. We had that discussion last week with your brother uh, of, of Lamar and you know they took the L last week against Belichick but it was it was a game Lamar played played well I mean he threw almost 300 yards uh ran for almost 100 in a freaking monsoon yeah and you know um again I just don't he doesn't have the weapons but I think again Brad to your point revenge game I mean that's that's um coming off that that loss I I see the I see the Ravens taking this one. Um, I, I there are a couple key defensive pieces out for the Ravens um, on their D line. 
Um, so Tennessee may be able to run the ball and control the clock, but uh, but I see the Ravens in that one. It'd be a, a, a fast-moving game, too, I think, and, it, and obviously a wake-up time for the Titans' defense. Uh, wake-up time for the quarterback down in New Orleans – to show you how quickly things move. I'll just cross all my notes <laughs> off from this segment right in, here. In the world of amateur podcasting, uh, we had written down in our show rundown uh, an overall breakdown of Jameis Winston as the, the step-in quarterback after Drew Brees' injury in New Orleans, only to find out about an hour ago, guys, it sounds like Jameis will not be playing will be on the crab legs sideline <laughs> and Sean Payton favorite Taysom Hill is going to be picking up there Greg is that can eat that W from the, from the sideline is that a smart move or is that gamesmanship from Sean yeah, Payton that, that's the one question I have I it it was telling last week when Breeze went down Winston Winston was the go-to I mean Hill was playing in his package and you know didn't really deviate from that so I'm I'm really curious if this is truly Sean Payton out there trying to mess with the, de- the opposing defensive coordinator and and making him scrap his game plan much like we're doing right here or if you know if that's something that they'll they paid Taysom Hill a lot of money to be a backup quarterback and you know at some point in time you have to see you know it once Breeze moves on is Taysom Hill somebody that that you can you know, trust as your franchise quarterback. So I wonder if some of that's playing into it or if it is gamesmanship and, you know, um, Taysom Hill takes the first series and then Jameis goes in there. What do you think, Brad? You broke yeah, that. Yeah. So uh, technically, I guess just to start the, the be the starter, you just have to play one play, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the first play is a, a rush or who knows. And that seems like a Sean Payton thing to do, right? To name yeah, you, you to gotta, name him the I look, starter. I look back at the Super Bowl when uh, they beat the Colts and onside kick to start the second half, and I don't even think they were down. I think it was tied. Or, mm-hmm. But, um, no, you look at Jameis last week, it was a very efficient game for a guy that's very sporadic, uh, 7-11, 75 yards, no picks. So Huge for him. Yeah. And don't – I mean, some coaches have – a, a reputation for those basically like orchestral scripted plays that they have at the beginning of games. I think you put Andy Reid in that category, you put Belichick in that category, and I think Sean Payton does that. So who's to say there's not a Taysom Hill package that they have planned out to start the game, and then you just see Jameis doing the, the, the Jameis thing? Yeah, it was interesting that that all came out on Friday. So um, I, I, I tend to lean more towards the gamesmanship piece, but um, we'll – why we that's why we'll tune in to see what happens and we put so much into the Jameis memes which are i mean don't get me wrong they are hilarious and classic and tyler's probably making one right now (laughs) as we're talking but you know his production in tampa bay was really not that bad like he was i mean he was an elite production quarterback from a yards and touchdown standpoint just it's all it was all about the the turnovers and interceptions with him so that's that's the other thing specifically with Jameis. He needs to try to establish himself, much like Teddy Bridgewater did last year when Breeze went down, and uh, Bridgewater ended up leveraging that with a good contract with Carolina. But Jameis, to, to all your point, he's got the tools. I mean, it's—I've questioned myself: Is it? Is would I like him on the Bears? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, getting getting the ball downfield. Could I live with some of that reckless, um, you know, play to to be able to try to make something happen? And I, I've questioned that whether I'd, I'd take him on the Bears or not. So he needs to resurrect his career. So it's important for him to get a shot as well. 
Yeah, he's, he's one of the most interesting quarterbacks in the league. Uh, his yard production's outrageous. Touchdown. I don't know if the, the interceptions are just being so pass happy. And it's those pick sixes. This yeah. Right. Right. So um, many. It's like saying you're an awesome pilot, except for those passenger plane crashes that you've had. He's had somebody, he's point. Had somebody like Mike Evans too that he can just throw the ball up to, and more more often than not, he's going to come down with it. But when he does it, it's the old. When you pass the ball, three things can happen, and two of them are bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he uh, if he can get that done this week, and what's obviously probably going to be a, a a good Jameis showing there. Uh, Brad, what are you watching for this week? What are the games that are at the top of your slate? All right, I'm looking at this rematch of the Chiefs and the Raiders. Yep, yep. You know, the Raiders shocked the world and beat the Chiefs. Did a victory lap in the parking lot with the mm-hmm. bus, with the buses. But I want to see how good this AFC South Indianapolis Colts are. Uh, obviously, best defense in the league and going up against Aaron Rodgers. So... I think I call these Colts for real if they win this one. Which would be a bummer for Titans fans to see. That's the one I circled to because I think that tells you, can the Titans maintain parity? Is the AFC South have another contender in the Colts who, I mean, I hate to say it, but they've had a lock on that that, that division for They've been playing good football. They got beat by the Ravens a few weeks ago after controlling that first half, and then Lamar kind of – did a little more vintage Lamar in that game. But, uh, yeah, that, those those are the two games that, that I saw. We talked about last night's game was uh, was a good game. Uh, talk Titans. Um, um, so, yeah, Packers, Colts, Chiefs, Raiders. The other the other one that I have uh, some interest in uh, in that NFC West is the Rams and Bucks. Bucks kind of right in their, their ship on their their little bit of a, a roller coaster ride so far this year. But Rams defense um, against Tom Brady, want to want to check that one out as well. And some real questions about who Jared Goff is as a quarterback in that. I, I think we were so quick to crown him as an elite quarterback. He's had some regression points, but still seems to be in the serviceable to great category mm-hmm. on, on most days. I'd be interested to see him matched up with Tom Brady in I that. I think from elite elite playmakers around him he doesn't have what he's had in years past but um i think he's able to distribute the ball to those very to a a whole field of average you know nfl talent average nfl talent when you have a collection of it is 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 you know just as good as having one or two you know elite guys to get it to these are games to enjoy. You're coming on a holiday week. You're getting towards the end of the season. You know what products you have. It's always a great kind of chance to calm down a little bit and watch your fun games. Uh, there are some items that we as a group are always dialed in on. And then some on this show, like uh, we, we had a UFC training session last week, Brad. I think Greg and I both uh, failed that <laughs> fandom assessment. We needed some extra UFC Brad, we knowledge. could have used you there. <laughs> <laughs> but we we decided to throw out a new segment for uh the for the crew this week. Uh this is called dialed in and tuned out. So as you know as as the world has seen, you know, so much news about sports and COVID, about COVID in general. You, you know, there are some topics that just really uh are awesome to talk about in sports each week and then some topics that really, you know, we've we've kind of run down and are a little bit fatigued with. Um, so I'm going to run down a few topics. You guys tell me, is this something that you're dialed into or are we tuning out as we're moving into a holiday week with other things going on? So first one I'll start with is the NCAA College Football Playoff Committee announcing that despite the pleas of the Pac-12, 
there will be no changes to their playoff structure. Brad, are you into that or are you tuning out? I'm tuning out. I'm over it. Yeah. You over it? I'm in just simply because, you know, the, the Pac-12 was the last one to get going, seemed to drag their feet more than anybody, and now they are going. Now they're trying to beg for, you know, beg for inclusion and in all this. So it, you can't have it both ways. So just for the strict drama of all this, I'm in. No. So I'm still no, in. No. I got that. Discu- I have that discussion every night with a four-year-old. You eat your dinner. You don't <laughs> eat snacks at 8 o'clock. I was getting ready to say <laughs> the Pac-12 has been the problem child of the Power Five, and uh, I'm just over it. Yep. Me too. The, uh, the the Tokyo Olympics is our next topic here. Specifically, the rules that came out on the Tokyo Olympics about limiting contact within the Olympic Village. Something that's pretty important to these athletes, from what I gather. You guys into that? I've heard some stories over the years, some rumors of, yeah, of, of Olympic Village debauchery. <laughs> so... Um, I will. Uh, I'll go out on this simply because of the timing of the Olympics happening in kind of the the July mid to end of July time frame. So just for right now, I'm out. But, uh, but maybe check back with me in the summer. All right, Brad, you dialed into that one. I'm out as well. Oh, I've got. got a, I got a similar stance to Greg on this one. Well, that's fair. I, I think for me, it's um, maybe a little bit of. Uh, trying to evaluate the future of our human species by anticipating that two super athletes would at least breed I mean, and maybe carry on the future. When, when, this, when this is a Netflix series, then, then maybe <laughs> there we go. There maybe we'll I, watch it. Maybe I will watch like fire Island or yes. fire yes. fest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So let's hit the NBA draft. Brad, is this a tuned in or dialed out for you? <sighs> Typically I'm definitely dialed in, but, there just weren't the big names this year because we didn't have a March Madness where some of these guys became stars in those four weeks. Uh, so I'm not as excited as I typically would be, but overall I'm dialed in. Is Obi Tappan a rapper, like an early 2000s rapper? <laughs> maybe a member of the of the, uh, the Roots, maybe. I have no idea. <laughs> he was apparently one of the top draft. I, look, we, we were full, I think, dialed out on this one. What about you, Greg? Yeah, same. I mean, I could echo – Brad's comments. I, I looking at star power on this. I mean, this is that had to be one of the worst drafts from star power. I go back to like a 2001 Kwame Brown, you know, going to the Wizards. Uh, just you know, I think you all the points you hit on. You just didn't you didn't get to know these these especially on the top end of that draft that mm-hmm. would make you want to tune in to see where you they're just going. think of so many players that play in the NBA that or have their notoriety and. They got drafted higher because of their March Madness. Steph right. Curry, your Wally Zerbiaks, your, you know. I will say the Kimba one, Walker. The one yep. caveat to this is LaMelo Ball going to the Hornets with Michael Jordan. With LeVar talking trash, um, when, when mm-hmm. saying that he could take Michael Jordan one-on-one. I think Jordan picked him just so he can pay that pay that debt. I, I want to, like, we talk about the Tyson fight coming up. Mm-hmm. I want I want that. I want LeVar and Michael one-on-one pay-per-view. It would be a ratings why, blockbuster. Why would you even give him the time of day? I, 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 th- I, want, I want Jordan to be out there with the cigar, like the victory cigar already lit, playing in flip-flops, and just, like, just the, the absolute MJ pinnacle trash talk. So the stories came out recently about Lamar's fallout with some of the news outlets. Did you guys see some of this stuff? He had these ridiculous demands where he was 
like pre-show was asking for things like milk and cookies to be delivered <laughs> to him. I'm like, who is this? It's not like you were saying, Brad, like a problem child. I mean, I, I still, he's like, he's like the villain in professional wrestling. Yeah. You know, he, he latched onto this and he's been able to make a name for himself and his boys. Um, he, he's getting the media attention that he would otherwise not get. And right, wrong or indifferent. He's the he's the only dad in the world that has two you know top three NBA draft choices. So yeah. Brad's you know, working do, on that over at his house. <laughs> <own. laughs> do, do you think you know his, his ultimate plan and scheme panned out though? I mean, he's got two kids that are top five. Yeah, started that big baller brand, and yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean the kids are talented, right? And that's been a thing that's never been in question. Really, it's the the weirdness that surrounds it. But to your point, I mean, he has to have been paid through all this stuff, right? I think so. I mean, I hope for all the crazy bad guy villain stuff he's gone so through. He probably made his boys sign some sort of contract. <laughs> he is their agent, yeah. correct? Is I, that right? I don't know. I, I don't know for sure on okay. that. I, with with his history, I'm su- I'm be surprised if he wasn't. I spend so. most of my conservatorship research in the Britney Spears case. <laughs> <laughs> I have not checked out the, the Lamar Ball case Which, yet. No change in that status, apparently. No, no, that's the podcast for another free day. But Britney. free Britney is still still stuck in the mud down there. And is she from Louisiana or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. I, I like how I asked that question. Like it's like I don't have her Wikipedia page like <laughs> right there on the phone. Uh, so one last uh, one last dialed in here before we get to our producer segment. Uh, Theo Epstein, after a ten year run with the Chicago Cubs, announces that he's going to step down. What Brad, you dialed into that one? I, I haven't watched baseball like I used to, but this kind of hits home for me. Uh, I'm, I'm dialed in to answer your question. But uh, I was a, I was in college when the Red Sox won uh, the championship in 2004. Mm-hmm. We all were. I was at that game in St. Louis, the clinching game. Yeah. Wow. Unfortunately, so, <laughs> as a Cardinal fan. Yeah. Theo's story uh, kind of hit home to me because I watched that 2004 series. You know, he was 28 uh, when he was hired as a GM, the youngest ever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, not only that, but he brought the, the Cubs back to a championship team so mm-hmm. you've got two historic teams that one guy that's probably 30 in his 30s has brought back to the the pinnacle yeah, two, of sport. Two, of, two of the marquee franchises in baseball historic <laughs> successful but historically bad in the playoffs not being able to get it done and and to be able to you know kind of take to the curse of the bambino and the whatever the Cubs curse was with the goat and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, to, to have that on your resume is pretty special. At 40, you know, 45, what else is there to accomplish? And to say, well, so that's, so, I think that's part of the question is he, he's made it known since he joined the Cubs that that was a 10 year plan. And the rumor is now that he wants to be commissioner of baseball. Is that Greg? Are you hearing the same thing? I, I have heard those rumors. And um, so, so um, I'm going, I'm, I'm in on this as well. Again, Cardinal fandom, I think that will make the Cubs weaker in the short term. So I like that from a Cardinal standpoint. But two, he's got the Chicago roots. Can he be the Bears GM? See, I think uh, that's the other question. Can, can he be the Bears GM? Would he cross As into I another said, sport? I said, let's, just, let's just wipe the slate clean with pace and see what Theo can do. Has that ever happened in professional sports? I, I don't know. 
I don't know. In these days of analytics and everything else. Um, we'll get our research department on that one and check. But, I mean, that has to be – you would think, at least from a business standpoint, Brad, that something like that, you know, the, the assets, the value of the assets, the approach to how you manage the organization – to me, it wouldn't matter if they're playing. It, it's no different than these venture capital firms that, you know, buy businesses and. And that's apparently successful. right. And it's apparently that business mentality that got both the Red Sox and the Cubs to that point. High value deals that he made across the across the way. So, yeah, I, I think we're universally dialed into that one. I'm interested to see what the, the brainchild Theo Epstein does next. Just get his brother Jeffrey figured out. <laughs> not, just kidding. Not that there's not a relationship there. Uh, so as we uh, awkwardly move on from uh, murder and sex island, uh, let, let's bring Leighton, our producer, on for a segment uh, that we are going to call the Country Club segment. Um for those on the Facebook Live, you can see Leighton joining us here as though he has just left a lacrosse banquet. <laughs> Leighton, welcome to the show. So it, It's good to be here. I just renewed the lease on my Audi. And it took me a while to sign the papers. So. Hey, guys. What's up? Good. So how many layers do you have on? I don't, I'm very warm. <laughs> it's a, hot this, in here. Um, is this a Friends episode? Go, that is three what? shirts. <laughs> Could you be wearing any more oh, clothes? Three button-ups. I think three shirts and a coat here. But I wanted to pull off um, the right look for the Country Club Sports Report. So. That's it. And he le left your mirrored sunglasses over there on the desk. I, I did. Well, we got comments flying in here. I was I was worried because <laughs> as, as we sit here in the studio, I, I see your back. And I kept thinking, do you have an injury? Is that like a neck brace? <laughs> I kept seeing the, no, I kept just, seeing the, the white and the blue. It's, kinda, just, it's just another the layer. Aqua. Um, I, I was said, I don't remember you talking about your neck hurting or anything. <laughs> no. no, that is a that then, is a yeah, popped then you, collar. You, you pop down here, and yeah, you got it. You got it double popped, you freshly, popped freshly as hard popped. as you can pop them. Well, we uh, this segment really does not need a whole lot of introduction. We know that Layton brings an air of class and sophistication to the show mm. uh, that we usually, you know, lack from week to week. So, with the Masters, uh, you know, a real Southern tradition, yeah. obviously a. Um, a, a classy event. Layton, the floor is yours. Tell us about your, your experience with this Masters in November. Well, I'm going to break it down for you a few ways. I've got some some tournament highlights. I've got some storylines running in the background. And then what I call the big story, which is uh, a rabbit hole that I fell down, a little bit of Masters trivia that blew my mind. Maybe this is common knowledge, um, but it blew my mind. So So I'm happy to share that with you. Uh, Masters recap, obviously, world number one Dustin Johnson ran away with it. Mm -hmm. uh, first green jacket for DJ uh, and a tournament record low score. Did any of you guys get a chance to have it on at all? Yep. Yep. Cool. I, I had it had it on once once Tiger started uh, fading a little bit. I my my frequency of flipping back was uh, was not as I, often. I told Spencer to leave me out of this one. <laughs> Shamefully, I did You're not watch like, one minute. Of much the like my UFC discussion from last week. <laughs> That's it. Everybody has the stuff they're into. DJ broke the tournament record by two strokes, which was a tie, eighteen under, a tie held by Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth. So two very elite golfers. A lot of people say that that. Uh, uh, you'll never see 20 under on Augusta again mm -hmm. because they played it in November when the course is softer, easier to play. So you, you kind of wonder if there's going to be a little 
asterisk on that one in the record books. But I don't know. What do you think? You think that one gets yeah, an asterisk or not? We've talked about this on the the college and the well, all sports. I I, I think you're you're you got to play the cards that you're dealt and that's, count it right. You, yeah. You're you're able to to have the event. It doesn't matter when. And you look at all the surrounding. Um, Factors on this one, and absolutely. And you would think I, I'd, I'd, I'd highlight it. I wouldn't yeah. asterisk. There's probably objectively less pressure too when they're standing in a tee box and they don't have 200, 300 people standing around them. Also. So I, I would say yes and no. Like I would say the crowd is uh, the patrons, as they call them there, are are they're they're a player there. Like they're a factor, and so it gives energy and it takes away energy. Mm. And and it's it's very much a part of, of what's going on in the player's mind. Um, DJ though won this thing. It, it wasn't um, you know nobody gave it away. Like top ten finishes from JT, Rory, Rom, uh, Brooks, all right there, uh, but never really in the hunt. Like DJ was firmly in control of this mm-hmm. thing. And so I, I did say one of the highlights too was the course itself. You'll never see Augusta the way that you saw it the other day. Like you'll never get to see those camera shots because. From now on, they'll have they'll have uh, patrons in there. Typically, that's the high maintenance part of the year in Augusta, too, right? Don't they yeah. do a lot of planting and stuff this time? We're really yeah, getting yeah, into home yeah. And like the day section. they break down the uh, the masters, they're <laughs> they're already going to work on on stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, patrons always part of the story. Uh, and what I liked is you got to see parts of the course that you'll never see. A couple other storylines though. Tiger was back as the defending champ, which sitting here at at forty four years old, same age as Tiger, like that's. That makes me really happy to say. Been mm-hmm. watching Tiger win for a long time. He's never really in contention, but some fireworks on the back nine Sunday when he carted a 10 on the par three 12th hole. That's my kind of goal. <laughs> right. right. Um, I, I wrote a joke about a lot of strokes, but um, I'm going to leave it out of the podcast today. <laughs> Incidentally, the par three 12th is where last year he stuck, he stuck the knife in the neck of Francesco Molinari, who was, you know, they were kind of going back and forth. But that's really where Tiger moved into contention last year. What happened on that hole? I didn't get to see it. So he put three balls in the water, which is not good. Yeah. Um, you play a little, a little golf ten, yourself. A little 10-cup action. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I saw the box score. <laughs> and so what's really amazing, though, is like this stuff never happens to me. Well, <laughs> for this reason, is he would his first tee shot, he put it up there, and it simply spun back into the water. So if you play like the rest of us with no spin on the ball, you're fine there. So, but still, I don't know that I could not get a ten there. So, I'm just counting one, two, one or two over at that point and just moving on. Yeah, just typically. move on. Yeah. Just move on. Another, another. Uh, here, here, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you're going to cover it or not, but how how Tiger finished out is that oh. is that on is that on your yeah yeah yeah. So he had uh, five birdies in the, in his last six holes, mm-hmm. which is. You know, every white hot, every one just, of us and every golfer that I know would have just bagged that and just you know <laughs> just yep. just count just count down the holes until you can get out of here and drink a beer in the clubhouse. That's but it. I mean, Tiger went full Tiger and you know finished out you know amazingly well. Yeah, anybody else, you're just you're just killing time. But then also the flip side of that is when you know you're out of contention, you can play really aggressively. You know, when there's somebody else, you're kind of you may be a little more conservative, a little more defensive, um, and so. Uh, yeah, fantastic, uh, but he really wasn't in contention, but it's always fun to watch him play. Another storyline, 21 Korean golfer, Sung J.M., who just like John Ralphio from Parks and Rec is technically homeless. <laughs> um, like this guy lives in a hotel where he does not have a home. Flush with cash, though. Flush. <laughs> yes. Uh, he never wavered. Like he And he rose even uh, you know when it mattered on the back nine Sunday. Like this kid is good. You're going to see him around for a long time. He's got a funky swing though. Greg, did you see this guy's swing? I didn't. Uh-uh. Okay, so he's 
he's got this super slow slow motion backswing which mm-hmm. when you watch it you'll think that your tv is glitching or that you're having a stroke or something like that but the guys just, just <laughs> where does mi- it rank on the charles barkley scale or happy gilmore swing? oh yeah. no it's a it's a beautiful swing it's just sl- it, the backswing i've never seen a, a backswing that slow before i expected like 80 percent jokes, twenty percent analysis, and we really you're walking in. I here went, like, I went deep, but wait I mean, till wait till I get to the to the big story here. Proud um, of this segment here. Go. A little a little more trivia. <laughs> Second place finisher Cam Smith from Australia became the first golfer in the history of the Masters, the first golfer in, in the history of the tournament to card four rounds below seventy. Wow! So in there, and you know, over seventy at the Masters isn't necessarily a blow up round, but you know. Four rounds under seventy is a is a big, uh, big. The only other Australian golfer that I know besides Greg Norman. Oh yeah, yeah. DJ Singh yeah. was he Australian? <laughs> Fiji, but whatever. Okay, <laughs> just uh, a bit outside. It's a suburb of uh, Australia. <laughs> uh, and then also another kind of storyline: Bryson DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> is suspected PED use there or no? Uh, you know, I don't know. The old boy blew up. But here's the thing. The the guy, he rolled into Augusta telling the media, the media that for him, par at Augusta is 67. It's a big state. I mean, that's a, I don't mm. think, nobody really disrespects the golf course like that. Um, he had rounds of, so par 67, okay? He had rounds of 70, 74, 69, so he got kind of close, and 73. So he just... He had a little tummy ache issue there. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, <laughs> he had a COVID test on, on Thursday or Friday. He said it came back negative. That guy 100% has COVID. 100%. Is, it, is he a Vanderbilt guy? I think uh, he's a Vanderbilt guy. I, I, I kind of lumped say that. like LSU no, or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm sure that I, there's going to be... DeChambeau some, sounds like a... When game, like day, a, when yeah, game day did their show, they broke down those golfers. I, I, I want to say SEC somewhere for him. Okay. Yeah. That's two for the research department this week. We'll yeah, get back we'll on, get that them on that Um Okay. The big story, guys. The big story that I discovered. I don't know. Maybe this is common knowledge. We'll see. The Masters is known among competitors as the best run golf tournament that they that they play all year. Um, in fact, some people say that other tournaments are just a joke compared to the way the Masters runs theirs. TV broadcast is much the same. Well-oiled machinery, iconic broadcast. If you watch the Masters, you know the theme music, that velvety piano, nap time, guitar plucking. You know that music. It's a smooth broadcast, limited commercial interruptions. It's just, if, you, if you're going to have a sports broadcast, it's the way to do it. So... One of the most iconic parts of the broadcast is the theme music that plays. Piano, little strings, little guitar plucking. It's a song called Augusta, aptly enough. And CBS has used it in the broadcast since 1982. Did a little research on the song Augusta. Um, And this this is is the the big news. This is where the rabbit hole starts. I cannot wait. Number one, the song has lyrics, and it's... uh, just no comment on the lyrics. It's yeah. it's exactly what you would think. It, cool it in is. the gang or prior? <laughs> it's it's like singing about the pine trees and about you know Byron Nelson and Samson. It's it's wow. not good. It's not something wow. you want to listen to. Okay. The song Augusta was written by a guy named Dave Loggins. Do you know anybody yeah. else with the last name Loggins? I do. Is he got a brother in the danger zone? <laughs> <laughs> so Dave Loggins is a distant cousin of Kenny Loggins. There you go. Who famously wrote Caddyshack music, Top Gun music? We all know Dave, we all know Kenny Loggins. 
Dave Loggins. Yacht Rock. I mean, the upper echelon <laughs> of Yacht Rock. It's it all coming back to Yacht Rock. Okay. Yeah, 80% of the Yacht Rock channel is going to be Kenny Loggins. Um, Dave Loggins is from Mountain City, Tennessee. Wow. He's a, he's a homeboy. Like He's from our backyard. Okay. And Dave Loggins, the guy who wrote the iconic Masters theme, went to our very own East Tennessee State University. Wow. Which for me, Man. vaults, I would, I would put him, because I'm a golf guy, above maybe even Kenny Chesney uh, wow. as the most notable music alumni of ETSU. But does anyone know that the Masters theme music was written by this guy? They do now. Did they do. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm curious. We, I was floored by this to learn that. Never we, are, knew. we are starting a grassroots campaign right here, right now. Well, and ETSU's had several like golf connections over we, the years. But... Is, yeah. is, uh, is Dave Loggins still alive? Let's he get him is. on the show. Yeah, Call he, in right now. I think we probably could get him on. Um, <laughs> and I'm just kidding about Kenny Chesney. Obviously, no shade for Kenny Chesney. Huge, huge accomplishments, uh, and uh, and a proud support of ETSU. But he's not. But he's not Dave Walker. It's not. No, it's not the Masters no. music, guys. That's pretty sweet. Anyhow, that maybe that doesn't mean much to you guys, but uh, you know we talk about it a lot uh, in the locker room <laughs> in the nineteenth hole at the club. So. What, what a breakdown by Layton! Thanks for coming in. And, I'm here anytime you need me. That was about fifteen minutes on on something that probably and throwing the heat. Three, but, yeah. No, that's that is spectacular. I got to ask you while we're. While we're wrapping this up, transitioning into mm-hmm. our Turkey Day food draft, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about. So, when you talked about how well run the Masters was, there's like a really famous menu picture that they send out every year where they still have like a 79 cent chicken salad sandwich. Like, yeah. what it does this thing it's live a, up to? Like, or, it's a buck. Yeah, it's it's it really is like 1960s prices. Uh, chicken salad, pimento cheese. Um, you know, those are kind of the iconic, you know, like a $4 beer maybe. Um, and I have I have tasted them live and in person. It mm-hmm. lives up to the hype. Nice. Like it's, so did, did you have any pimento cheese sandwiches when you were, when you were watching not the this, final round? So this weekend was, it was me from 9.45 a.m. until the cover wrapped up at night, just freebasing trail mix and pretzels. In the, in the blazer? Yeah, in fact, I probably have some good crumbs <laughs> still on the blazer. If anybody is into the pimento cheese sandwich oh, yeah. like I am, yeah. oh. Stanley's Produce on the way to Jonesboro, check it out. I will. Uh, the best pimento cheese in the okay. dressings. All right, make a, note. make a note. Local plug after local plug today. Leighton, you going to hang around for our Turkey Day draft? I can stick around, yeah. Love it. Guys, this is our last segment of the day as we're transitioning into thanksgiving week we're going to have a lot of fun and talk about the most important side dishes and the most important thanksgiving events that you all have leading up to your to your week here so greg start us off on this draft i, I can't even remember how we do the draft order so let's just go around we snake drafting yeah waiting oh, sitting here oh, yeah. hang on hang yeah, i just want to i want to yeah I'm always I'm just I want to understand the rules here. Okay, uh, we're just talking side dishes. No, no desserts. No anything. Just just sides. Let's right? include. You can include a dessert. Let's say just well, ex- game changer. Excluding yeah. your mains. Oh, I gave you no time to prepare. No, okay, I, I, I had a couple of notes here. All right, so go sides and or desserts, and then event is also wide open ended. Okay. Uh, so Greg, hit me with your first so side dish for Thanksgiving. If desserts are included. I mean, iconic pumpkin pie. Top draft, top draft choice. Okay, you I mean, a whipped cream guy or no? Oh, more the more the merrier. It, I, I'm I'm more of the spray whipped cream than the Cool Whip. Okay, yeah. All right, you gotta get that thing just gushed on. You there. gotta bury it, yes. Brad. You yeah. went straight to the research center when you found out we could go well, desserts here. Where you at? 
My family's not traditional when it comes to desserts. That my mom will surprise you with anything, but she makes this great chocolate chip pie. Okay. It's non Thanksgiving, but you know. And that's your first round draft pick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Layton. So this is anything. This is not just desserts. No, you've also got side dishes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go um, uh, dressing and gravy. Ooh. Dressing and gravy. Yeah, you gotta have the gravy. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that your okay. snake one and two? Or are you saying oh. that's, that's dressing what, that's and gravy? What, that's what I, I I treat gravy as a, as a it's its own. It's it's a, yeah it's because its it does it covers yes. multiple items yes. on the plate. All right, I'll I'll take gravy off. Do we have an expert gravy. opinion on the difference between dressing and stuffing? I feel like that's an age old Thanksgiving debate. Doesn't <laughs> stuffing literally go in the turkey and dressing does not? Damn it, Layton. <laughs> so, so then, then, where are you? Where are you? How refined are you on this dressing um, category? Are you a, are you like a stovetop or that Pepperidge Farms in the package? Or are you like the old school bread? And, yeah, you know. I mean, All right, you I pre- try to flare it up, or you just go with. I the, appreciate the, that question. So yeah. my wife has one that she makes. It's it's uh it's like a cornbread dressing that has chestnuts in it, celery, onions. Okay, right. you sold me. It's sold good. me. That's and a high. Like, that sounds like, like a high. Effort, like five man. sticks of butter. Can you, it's, can you just leave a little Tupperware dish out on the, the porch? Curb, yeah, contactless okay. curbside drop. Yeah. All That's right, a, Spence, what do you got? All right, first round for me. This is going to be a little bit of an odd one, but I feel like it's an important blank slate. It's the it's the glue guy, like a baseball team, like an inside mm-hmm. middle shortstop second baseman. Yep. It's your rolls. Slash bread. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. That's a huge first round because that's your that's oh. your like third utensil yeah. that you've got to sop everything yeah. up with. I mean, and absolutely, and that's that was my daughter's first round draft choice last night when I posed this question. So, you know, got, you got to have the rolls and and just you got to have a nice spreadable butter that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Make you a little sandwich, you know, oh. a little mini sandwich of all the other Sister stuff you got Schubert, going on. There's so many, so oh. many yes. excellent. That's my favorite, too. <laughs> oh, yes. Big play. All right, Greg, second round side dish. <sighs> well, I'm going to I'm gonna keep it on the, um, on the sweet train. Now, this is a side dish at our dinner table, but it really can be argued that it's a dessert as well. But sweet potato casserole. Yeah. And I'm not talking the stuff with the marshmallows on top. I mean, that's, that's, that's. That's not the way we do it. Uh, my wife has had a recipe over the years. It's got it's got some uh, uh, crumbled nut topping on it, so okay. it's 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 legit. So it's always, high, again, always, high effort. Always, side always, dish. always a fan no. favorite. Can't can't have the can't have the melted marshmallow on top though. I, that that goes to the bottom of the draft if it's got the marshmallows. It goes into dessert classification there. I think, Brad. What's your second round? I'm going with the really hearty, buttery, Paula Deen-esque mashed potatoes. Mm, oh, oh there. Off the board. We're going to have to reassess. That's a spectacular one. Layton? Uh, I'm going to say, let's see, we get we, we get two picks or three picks? Two picks on the food. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, because we're here, uh, I'm going to invoke a Snoop lyric, getting funky on the mic. Like an old batch of collard greens. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm going to say collard greens. Put your greens out there. Is that a, that's a traditional Thanksgiving at the house. Uh, man, okay, so I lost all of my carbohydrates with mashed potatoes, stuffing, and uh, already off the board. So I, I don't know where – I'm not a cranberry guy. I think I'm just going to have to skip this one because that 
here here's the thing. So have you have you put any effort into some cranberry sauce? No. Or is it all just the canned jellied stuff, which has its place as well? I don't even know what that means. Like okay. you're gonna tell me like red wine reduction cranberry I mean, like a like a fancy. If, thing. if you actually take the effort, get some fresh cranberries, get some orange juice, some uh, some some uh, orange zest in there, okay. some sugar. Get that all boiled down. Um, you, it, you will change your opinion on cranberries. There sauce. is clearly a level of Norman Rockwell work that's going on at the Hoffman <laughs> House. That... Hey, I mean, <laughs> offensive linemen love to eat, right? And to eat, sometimes you got to cook. Right? That's good work. That's good work. I well, will chime in and say I'm Team Can. I'm, I'm hey, Team. See, that's Team Can. I right like there. it both ways. It's yeah. got its spot. Yeah. That's that's you know kind of the easily spreadable. You know, it's got its the texture of that. It's got its place. That's it's underrated, but it will change your opinion of cranberry sauce when you do it homemade and do it the right way. It just doesn't add any. I mean, yeah, to each their own, I guess. It doesn't add anything. <laughs> Hit me with, Greg, your number one top draft Thanksgiving Day event at the Hoffman House. I mean, I'm going with the old standby, but, I mean, it's watching Cowboys and Lions football. I mean, that's, you know, they're, they're not very good. Constant classic. But it's, it's, you know, it's, we, we typically eat a little, little bit, you know, earlier in the day and it's, it's football on the TV all the time. Watch a game after that, Brad. What you got? Naturally, I want to go with football, but one thing that I always do, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas is pull out the old school, um, entertainment system. So we're talking the NES and yes. the Super Nintendo. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a so nice What's holiday. your go-to game when you – what do you go to first? Uh, the old school Mario's on the NES. Yeah. yeah. Just a, a, a warm piece or, of childhood comfort. Or today. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. I was just going <laughs> to say, I hope Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Some tech mobile. Makes, yeah. you got to remember yeah. all the guy's weaknesses. That's good. The glass Jaw Joe? Yes. I can't even remember. Glass, glass Joe. That's a, that's a throwback. All right, Leighton, you got a good event for yeah, us? Yeah, how about just the fire pit? Ooh, mm. I like that one. Mm. Warm, cozy fire pit. All right, so at my house, we uh, establish a, a certain position for uh, the master of ceremonies of creating the Bloody Mary garnishes. Oh. So that's a real oh. key job because you have to have a, a an understanding that you got to put the pickles with the, you know— the, all, all the different pieces that go on the on the toothpick. Gotta there. Have, yeah, you got to have the appetizer segment there. That that's it. The and Mary. that's a different job than the Bloody Mary bartender, mm-hmm. which takes a different skill mm-hmm. set and uh, and a heavy hand. So that's uh, that's one of the top over at our spot. Greg, you got any more? So I I failed in my research here, but is are are we having a Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade? Canceled. Is there uh, canceled? I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's canceled. wow. Yep. Wow. Bummer. Bummer. So, that's a good that, one out there. That, Most that years, was, yeah, that was that was mine. Er, that that's that kind of early day before football starts. As you're kind of doing some of those uh, those prep things for the cook that takes a little bit longer in the day. A little hype program. Always, always got the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on. Brad, you got any other good ones? No, just uh, watching football. You know, in that food coma. That's it. A little nap in the middle of that football game. Layton, you got any more? I'm just going to toss in one that we used to do when I was a kid. Uh, just. Go outside and throw the football. That's it. Boom. That's it. Yeah. Outdoor. I put exercise in air quotes because I'm not sure it really counts when you've had 8,000 calories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blow out your rotator cuff. You're not. Yeah. On the one day a year you throw a football. Exactly. Yeah. We don't look at it as anything that you need to do any type of stretching or warm up for. No. You're just, you're out there just Jump relaxing. Right in. Yep. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up that one. That made me super hungry and excited for the holiday. Uh, let's get ready to close out our show, Greg. Who's your yeoman this week? So after the uh, after the game last night, I knew this was on, but I did not tune into it because I was watching the NFL game. Um, I was going with Ronald Jones with the 98-yard touchdown run, you know, third longest run in history. I was going to tell that story and reminisce back to – Tony Dorsett in 1983, but after I woke up and saw the highlights of this Tulsa game last night, Tulsa and Tulane, okay? Let me, let me paint the picture. It's late in the third quarter. Tulane's up 14 to nothing. Tulsa is the 25th ranked team in the country. They've played some good football. Mm-hmm. I saw that game against Oklahoma State earlier, and they gave Oklahoma State all they wanted in the opening game. And they incidentally have Cincinnati coming up at the end of the end of the year that was a rescheduled game uh, due to COVID. So here's the scenario: first, uh, their starting quarterback goes down somewhere, you know, in the in the first second quarter. Second string quarterback for uh, Tulsa goes out, gets hurt. They have combined the the number one and number two quarterback has combined for only 77 yards passing in the first 42 minutes of this game. It's mm. 14 to nothing. Right, so into third, going into the fourth, they go to their third string quarterback, Davis Brin. So, goes on to throw for 268 yards in the last 18 minutes of that game. Wow. Runs for a touchdown, uh, throws to hail mary to get it to overtime. Mm. And okay? Tennessee still starts Jared. Gantana. So goes to <laughs> overtime on the hail mary. So then they trade field goals. So double overtime. Then the Tulsa defense gets a 96-yard pick six to win that game. Crazy. So, uh, collectively Tulsa, but Davis Brin was the uh, was the catalyst there. So Davis Brin, this week's yeoman. Nice big award winner, Brad. You got a peak performer for us this week? I was in bed early last night. Maybe Davis Brin needs to be my player of the week. <laughs> it's like, how's that guy the third string quarterback? Yeah, yeah no, at, at Tulsa. Uh, I'm pulling a a move out of. Uh, Greg's uh, playbook. I think one of the weeks I was off, there was a player that uh, DK Metcalf was single-handedly named the peak player of the week because of that one play. Oh, the rundown. So I'm I'm doing the same with with my boy, Collar. So, uh, you know, player of the week, even though we did come up with a loss last night against the Seahawks. And iconic to see him, like we talked about earlier. He threw his head back and watched that on the Jumbotron. That was just cool to see. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite memes is – uh, they said Kyler Murray looks when he scrambles looks like a kid that just stole candy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like that. That's just hilarious. That's it. That's Five it. Foot seven. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brad. That's a great peak six performer. foot. Six foot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In heels. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing. I was. We, my as we were watching this game, my buddies and I were texting last night, and I made that five seven joke and. There, so Hollywood Brown for the Ravens is five foot nine. Oh yeah. There is a picture of the rookie class that year, and Hollywood Brown and Kyler are standing next to each other. I know, I know what he measured out at the combine, but he had to have he had to have something. I don't know if he was barefoot, but he had he had something. He had some elevation going on to get that combine measurement. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood, he is Hollywood Brown is two inches taller than Kyler Murray. <laughs> Put him up on some lifts or something <laughs> for the draft. That's great. Well, this week's spotlight is it's short, sweet, and nerdy as as we like it. Uh, they announced that the new sequel to Wonder Woman. 
WW84 coming out on Christmas Day, both in theaters and on HBO Max. So if you want to see Hollywood's uh, Gal Gadot and the equivalent of Brad Weems, uh, Chris Pine in that show, uh, man, that'd be a good one to watch for for the uh, holiday Christmas here. I'll definitely be tuned in. I do have to give one special shout out to my friends and and uh, everybody that's that's watching and tuning in in the Southern Indiana area. Our Castle Knights, our beloved alma mater, going for a a, a semi state win tonight against the number one team in Indiana. All right, it's a home game, so first home semi state game we've had since 1994. So I will be tuning in tonight to the Castle Knights. So again, everybody watching from Southern Indiana. Go Knights, baby. All right. The Castle Knights shout out. Cool. Well, guys, thanks for a great show. Hope everybody has an awesome Thanksgiving week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon on the huddle.